0: Welcome back to Agent Investor, inspiring stories of active agents investing in real estate and building passive income. In a business where potential deals are all around you, why not leverage your skills to invest for yourself, your family, and your future? And now, let's jump into the latest episode of Agent Investor.
1: All right, everybody. Welcome back to the Agent Investor Podcast. I'm your host, Tom Caffarella. I've got a special guest out of Virginia Beach, right? Yes, sir. Ryan Finch. Welcome, Ryan. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Yeah. So like I mentioned, kind of when we were getting the show started, um, you know, very impressive background, definitely the type of person that we wanted to bring on the show. Can you talk a little bit about like how you got into real estate in general and then, you know, how you got into being an agent and how you got into being
2: an investor? Sure. So um I was, uh at church playing on church softball team and this guy rolls up in his Cadillac and uh you know I'm kind of like I'm a plumber at that point in time and you know I see him roll up in his Cadillac just got this big bravado about him you know and uh and I was like man I want to I want that lifestyle you know and uh and so anyway I uh I met with him and he ended up pulling me a quick cold turkey out of uh out of plumbing and jump straight into real estate with him so uh it was a great mentor relationship because he did a lot of flipping. He did investments. He did, you know, the real estate, ran the real estate team. So, I mean, I got a whole, um, mantra of, of information from him or Gambit I should say. So you just went like one
1: day you were a plumber the next day you were in real estate type of thing.
2: Yeah, more or less. I mean, obviously you had to do the class and things like that. But, um, what's funny is, when I was 19, I bought a house. So I I bought a house, I was paying rent somewhere, I was living in low income housing, because that's all I could afford. Um, But, uh, but so anyway, then I I ended up moving into a house, I bought a house in 1999. And, and then that house kind of took off. And then I went through, you know, the early 2000s. So then, and i was still a plumber at that point in time, then I bought I bought another house and, uh, you know, I had a, a wife and a kid. And so I bought another house and then I was going and jump and ship, uh, from plumbing and I bought a third house. So I ended up with three houses by the time I was in real estate, um, mm-hmm. from just buying investments and stuff like that. So.
1: Nice. So when, when you, you know, met, met, met with that person that church member and you, you know, you saw what they were doing, like, were you attracted more to being an agent and investor or, the combination of the both?
2: Yeah, um, I think it was just the more the agent style of things. Like what I want to do is get out of a nine to five, right? And so I, you know, yep. I, I'd read like rich dad, poor dad. So I like understood that, that I wanted to get freedom. And, you know, and part of that was buying the real estate. But I was like, well, this is slower. If I jump into real estate, I'll have access to more kinds of deals. And not like you think like the normal investor, I still needed to pay the bills. So, you know, I, but I wanted the flexibility of time to be able to find deals That I couldn't do when I was doing the other stuff. And at the same time, I needed those houses I bought to kind of mature and grow in value. So I just kind of got to that place where they had equity in them, you know, and I could pull that equity, which I used that money to get into real estate to kind of cover my bills. I had to like buy a new car and buy suits and a computer, you know, plumbing to real estate was kind of a a whole different animal. Um, So I had to do that and uh and yeah so i i just wanted the lifestyle that came with it uh really is what i think uh, was really my my mindset then but i wanted the freedom and you know the financial side and the ability to do the opportunities of investing
1: yeah i mean i think you know the freedom if you and you know if you're going to like say one word that's going to going to define like why people get into real estate it, it is freedom i think mm-hmm. um and and i think everybody thinks about like i was in corporate america i was a cpa and it was it was crazy because like the, the mentors there, I would look at them and I was probably 25, 26 at the time when I was in corporate America, I look at them and they'd be 50, 55 years old and they'd still be working 80 hours a week. And that was the goal. And, uh, they made big money. I mean, they, they made good money and all that, but like, they still never had time outside of, you know, the couple, you know, two to three weeks they got off per year and the holidays and all that good stuff. And, you know, they were grinding just as hard at 55, 50 as they were when I was 25. And I'm thinking about it and I'm like, how does this really make sense? I mean, you're working hard to work hard. Um, And so I think the freedom part, you know, is so important. But you said something else that I, I think is an important point about like why you got into sales, which is like, you need to pay the bills. And some of the, a lot of people get into real estate because they want the passive income opportunities, And you had started to kind of build that up. You were buying houses. But you had realized at that point, like, even if I accelerate that, you're not going to have enough money to pay the bills on passive income. Uh, The Passive income takes a while to build up. So you said, okay, let me get my real estate license and let me make active income. But let me make active income with freedom on my own schedule. So you got into it. You already own some rentals. And it was the goal to to, to accumulate more rentals as time went on or like, what was your, what were your investing goals? Like at that point?
2: Yeah. I mean, I kind of built it out that way. I really, I wanted $20,000 a month in income. Like that was the picture. So I said, if I buy enough of these at this rate, I'll buy them, then the rentals will pay those off, then I'll power pay them down and, and I'll build that amount of money. And I said, well, if I get that amount of money coming in, then I'll be able to retire. Like that was kind of the, the mindset behind it. I did want to double back on one of the things you said, but people are working those jobs and doing those things because they want stability, right? So you got a tug of war between stability and freedom. And all the time, this is what's going on. And then it's all these micro decisions we make in between. So you, know, you constantly have to make the decision what do i want more and or and what do i want now and 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 we end up trading off buying something now we want you know a new car which stops us from buying a house or making that investment we spend time on things so time is probably more uh valuable than even money but we spend time on things that uh make us stable right so they do that stability of working that job but then they spend the money poorly, or then they get time. Like we said, we want that time freedom, but they get time freedom. And now you go to the beach instead of spending that time doubling down on making more revenue that can then get you the freedom that you're looking for with, with cash flow. So anyway, I just wanted to to dive in on a piece of those, because that psychology of things is really the key to understanding how to get to the next level of, of what you're, what you're going over. So go, go ahead, sorry.
1: Well, I think all the great things that you mentioned, like, you know, rich dad, poor dad, all that stuff, like, When you're in real estate, you have the ability to kind of like choose the path that you want to go down a little bit more than like if you're in corporate America and you know, hey, I'm getting, you know, 50,000, 60,000, 80,000, $100,000 a year salary. And next year, I'm going to get a 10% increase.
2: Mm -hmm. Um, And you're paying tax on that. And you got to pay tax on it. Whereas real estate, you make money, you spend it, and you pay tax on what's left over. So there's a lot of opportunities in that, even in buying real estate with that money. Of course, the double edged sword, I couldn't buy houses for two years when I got into real estate because it went from W two to 1099. So now you're two years of building that amount of money up so that you can go buy your next property.
1: So now when you you know, a lot of people have hesitations about like jumping right into real estate, it sounded like you were just like, hey, today's the day and I'm gonna do it. Um when you were when you were in sales in that first like six to twelve months, like how were you generating business and like all that type of stuff?
2: Yeah, well, for me, it was, I knew I couldn't stay on the pattern I was, I, I was going through a divorce. So I dropped off my daughter at daycare, then went into um, having uh, a construction thing where I'd come back late. Um, so anyway, I knew I couldn't keep that wasn't sustainable, right? So you're looking at sustainability. So the risk factor seemed less valuable and I kind of bet on myself a little bit to be able to do it um but I you know I did have a good mentor he fed me leads he taught me a lot of things but having a couple properties under my belt plus I was an avid reader so it gave me a good one-up to be able to communicate and then I guess I have certain giftings or talents of of relationally that that were able to be exercised that you don't use really in a plumbing style of industry so so you know, yeah so just jumped in and uh and bet on myself a little bit prayed. So
1: I think the mentor part is huge too. And not everybody has a mentor. I think you should seek a mentor if you don't have one. But what did the mentor relationship do for you and your success?
2: You know, it was kind of a double-edged sword because it, it was huge in what it set the bar of what I wanted to do. And so I started setting this goal of kind of like, you know, and I said this to my mentor and I said, you know, I appreciate what you're teaching me and things that I was just really arrogant when I was 25. Um, But, uh, you know. Who? who- now, especially when I, is, the older I get, the, the more I realize how stupid I am. Exactly. So, so when it, and how stupid I, my behaviors or action were. But so, so I, yeah. I, I told him, I said, you don't understand. I don't want to learn from you. I'm going to do what you're doing. I'm going to be you. like, like, I'm not learning to work <laughs> for you. I'm learning to do what you do and I'm going to do it better. Like that, like that was just how, how yeah. I kind of looked at the, the whole thing, because I never saw where I was as who I was, meaning like if somebody was here, I, well, there's no reason I can't get to there. And I, and I still believe that even inversely, sometimes now it's like, there's nobody that doesn't have properties that can not have properties. No, that doesn't have a real estate business that can't have one There's the, the opportunity is there for everyone. And and the, the success pattern can be replicated over and over and over again.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. So the mentor helped you out a bunch. And so like, tell me about like, your first few years that you went into real estate? Like what were you doing on the aging side? What were you doing on the investing side? And then how did the two kind of work together to help you?
2: Yeah. So I, you know, I, like I said, in the first couple of years, I had to just kind of grind it out, but I made a bunch of money. And then in the two years, then I bought a big old house. So I made money so I could qualify for a big old house. And then that's 2006. And 2008 hit. So now I could qualify, buy the biggest house, make a bunch of money, then income tanks, all the expenses are there, the leverage factor. I mean, and I just get smashed in 2008. So it's like, okay, now now I got to almost dig out. So I spent the next couple years digging out. um, And then once I dug out and I, you know, kind of stay in the par for the course, figuring out all this stupidity, reading Dave Ramsey stuff and, you know, find, you learn all the leverage side with Rich Dad Poor Dad, then you got to learn the management side and conservative side with um with Ramsey. So, so anyway, I dig out and I get out of that and I go, I'm never doing that again. I, I sold one of the houses I bought, paid off all the credit card, got everything back to status quo. Um, and, then, and then from there, I was able to go back and start working on building. But instead of building a portfolio, I ended up building a big real estate business. We ended up being the number 17 uh, in the country uh, by the time, I guess, 2012 came along. So we had sold like a thousand houses, but I did it for Fannie Mae. So I was taking their properties, fixing them up and flipping them across the country. So now I knew how to fix and flip up flip houses. Then I would take that money and I would, I'd have my agents go find houses and I would buy them, not the Fannie Mae ones, I would buy other houses. I could buy and flip a house without even going to it. Cause you could just look at the numbers and the repairs and things like that. And my agents would make money that were at my, my company. So I could make money kind of twice. Then I tied in, I owned the title company. And so then the title company and the real estate and the flip. So one deal could kind of transpire three different revenues for me. Uh, so I did quite a few of those that were going on and, and then started flipping. So instead of buying and holding, I was buying and flipping a, a lot of them. And then I take that money and I would go buy properties. So I take it and buy a house. Um, in cash, you know, 70 grand, put 20 grand into it. And then I would go get a line of credit. So they gave me lines of credit. I because I own it corporately, then I could go to the bank and they would give me a line of credit like the day after I bought it. So then I pull my money back out on Now it's on a line of credit. Now the payment would pay the payment off quicker versus I amortized loan payment i now could pay it off daily because they were they, it was uh it was a lot of credit so it would pay that off and i would get those paid off i'd rent it out for a little while it would go up in value and i'd sell it off i'd take the money they paid me back in rent paying off the mortgage plus take the other and then just go do it over and over again
1: makes sense so um when you were building up that team you said you sold over a thousand houses in what
2: period of time in the year in that year 2012. I mean, okay. It was like Five fifty, then a thousand, and then you know just kept on going, and going.
1: Now, what percentage of those, like, did you end up doing anything investment related with?
2: Uh, so all of those had nothing to do with the investment. That was just that was my job. That was my company. That was my business. And that's just yep. the proceeds of that to go back and buy into real estate. I even then got into commercial. So then I bought the building that I was in, fixed it up, put my real estate company in it, and then I leased my building. From my company. so, like i I paid that. I, I literally just sold it a couple months ago um from from buying that building. So okay, so I've, I've done all of this stuff. obviously, you had
1: a, a ton of success, like in the sales world. Yep. and doing that many transactions takes up a bunch of time. How are you juggling being an agent and an investor at the same time? And obviously, I can see like in the background there, you had a family too. Maybe you didn't have a family then. I don't know, but like, how are you juggling everything
2: together? Yeah, I'm pretty meticulous. It's funny on my other screen, I have my calendar up, but uh, I'm meticulous on my time management. I manage it and my money. I really look at my my viewpoint of my life is as a manager. I'm a manager of whatever is in, in front of me. So whether that's money, time, assets, family, all of those things are just different things to be able to manage. Uh, and in most cases, the answer to it that I learned was I gave off value to other people to take on more things. So, which means I could have 100% of everything I did, or I could give up an equity or a percentage to somebody else to manage it, or I would get them in what uh, good to great calls like the the hedgehog concept. Of so, so, once I did one, it would get another and it would build a spin. So, I could be in the real estate office manage the agents that were doing that, have them running my flip companies while paying the lease to the building that I own. And then have my own property management in there that would manage my properties. So there was somebody managing the properties that cost me money to have them as an employee, but they would leverage over and run things on the real estate side. Right. And so I could leverage and merge all these pieces together. And and everybody kind of made money off of all of the all of the pieces by me filling in each of the gaps. And so as I would build it, I would put someone in place or something in place to remove me from doing it so I could go on to the next. So I wasn't missing baseball games or you know cheerleading things for my daughter because that was the whole reason I got out of plumbing was to get that freedom. The last thing I wanted to do was take on doing everything all on my own and then turn around and lose all of my life just to make more money. So what was the point? Like, you know, you got
1: into real estate um, on day one. And I'm, I'm imagining like you didn't start to use that leverage in day one because you didn't have income right. coming in to support the leverage. So what was the point where you said like, OK, I've been running for a while. It's now time to kind of like take my first leverage point, whether it's, you know, partner with somebody, give up equity, hire somebody like how long was that and who is the first person?
2: Uh, are you talking on the investment side or the real estate side?
1: I guess either, because I, I mean, you know, my opinion is like they work so well together and um a lot of times like you were even talking about like your your overlapping resources a lot so i guess regardless of whether it's investor or the aging side how long did it take you to get that first person that you helped to leverage
2: out your time and who was i'm trying to think of what would be the first cuz remember these kind of things are run in parallel so i've got rental yep. properties that are then managed inside of the brokerage I'm at. Me not doing it, they're just managed that way. So that was somewhat of a leverage factor. Um, But then I wanted that back, which had me hire an admin. So I hired an admin that helped me run my real estate and run my rentals so that it would do that. But that was an expense to run it Versus the next leveraging factor was I hired agents on the team, which then I passed business off. So they could go run business, the admin could help them, and that whole business could run. So uh, so I kind of merged it all together. And I mean, I start thinking all the way through all these things. I had a personal assistant that would help me flip properties, uh, you know, order contractors or do all those other things. I have uh, outsourced accounting so someone could keep all the numbers and the P&Ls and all that stuff together. My sister was a huge piece of this where she run all the organizational stuff of all of these pieces for the businesses um which she was probably the main key instrument to all of the growth on all of the levels because I could have an idea but I just couldn't get it into action and she could figure out how to go okay let's do this this and this and she would set up all the pieces.
1: Yeah, that makes sense. And, and is she still involved in the company?
2: No, she actually uh she we're partners. Well, so we're partners in um she has ownership in This franchise company. She has ownership in our real estate company. She has ownership in our mortgage and our title companies. Uh, So, so she manages all of those things, um, but not like the day to day stuff.
1: And all of this stuff, like, how long did it take you? You know, you mentioned like three or four different leverage points, whether it's agents and your sister, and um, you know, uh, admins and stuff like that. What time frame are we talking about here? Like, what year are we talking about, Ross? Yeah,
2: it's it's funny because it's so much. I moved from being an individual agent to a team leader after the first year, which seemed like the dumbest thing in the world a year later because the whole market tanked. So I took all the leverage on and then had to carry through all of that stuff. So everything I worked for and gained, I had to throw back in. But it was all a a precursor to kind of what would come up later that I learned that I'm not afraid to run into a down market. So if properties are losing value, I run in. If stocks are going down, I run in. I don't buy on the high anymore. I buy on the low. And I have to be patient and wait for that and deal with that emotion inside that I go, nope everyone's running. It's going to go back. It's going to go back. And it was a real gut kicker, right? Like a year ago, when you're, when you're looking at a stock market or things like that, everything is going to go down. So anybody that got in was smart, right? Uh, But you didn't see that at the point in time. So, um, I mean, all of this really happened over a long period of time. I've been in real estate for 15 years or 16 years now. So, uh, from, from what was that, uh, 2005 into 2005 till now. So there's just been piece after piece from, being an agent to running a team to then building that team to doing this national um, Fannie Mae program stuff to then opening our own brokerage to then buying the building and then building out the team and and there's more which we haven't even talked about which now in the last three years we opened a franchise company and now we've got over 50 franchises nationwide so so then we took that model and leveraged it out by giving the people the ability to take that and scale so now they could run their businesses. Um, fast and furious um and then we went from in the last three years i don't know what is 100 agents to 800 agents at this point you know so in in the last three years so so that's kind of grown and scaled amongst everything else we're working on
1: do you have any specific goals that you're looking to hit like whether it's like be in every state or have a certain market share or a total number
2: of agents or Sure. So we're we're looking to have four thousand locations with two thousand franchisees. So most of them will own multiple ones. And then those people own mortgage and title companies too. So we've kind of got that whole gauntlet of what they can run and do there. Um, and a lot of investors have done that. They've gone and in, invested, they partnered with somebody else to open an office or they've kind of gone and done it. And they said, we'll run the boots on the ground and brought investors in or you know any of those pieces that go on. But yeah, so we want 4,000 locations. The average location will have about 50 agents and then that would put us at 200,000 agents which would uh, mix at the, at the top. And I know that's gonna take quite a few years to build to get to that, um, but, but it's been going pretty rapidly so far. Um, and you know, most franchises don't sell 50 locations in in their lifetime. So we did that in the first two years of business. So uh, you know, we're finding a lot of success. COVID kind of helped us a little bit to move that because uh, we've set up our virtual ability so you can own your own business and be virtual. And and really, I gotta tell you, the drive in all that is from cash flow quadrants because I realized being an agent, I was a self-employed. So I went from employee as a plumber to self-employed. And I said, well, I want to be on the other side of the quadrant, business owner and investor. Yeah. So I invest money in different things, whether it's cryptos or stock market or offices or rentals. And I, and I took some of it out of rentals to open offices because I realized I could make more money in a location than I could in a rental, which one was steady. The other would, at the end, it comes out to kind of be the same. If you're going to uh, do investing, you may put hundred grand up to get $1,000 a month. Or you may decide, well, then I'll leverage it. I'll borrow at 4% and I'll get $1,000 a month. So now you make, you know, your, whatever your adjusted cap rate is. Um, So you could do that. And then I realized, well, I could have a total expense out of 50 grand and now be able to make 20 grand a month or something like that. So, so that just made more sense. So I, I even reshifted some of the pieces to to reallocate
0: let's take a quick break from the episode to get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors join our free private facebook group just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group we'd love to see you there
1: yeah i mean i i love that you keep mentioning like the kiyosaki books and cash flow quadrant and it's something i think that you know we see a lot of like almost everybody who gets into real estate, the motivation, like we talked about earlier, it's freedom. Yep. And you want to go from that E quadrant being an employee to self-employed. And then you get into that self-employed box and you kind of realize like, hey, okay, this is better, but it's still not kind of like what I wanted to do on day right. one. And that's like the whole premise, oh, agent, investor. And I've got you know a book coming out that you need to get into that right side. Because if you're not in that right side, the second that you stop working, you're not making money, there's no leverage, there's no like passiveness to it. And it's like, yeah, like, you know, I guess if you're just an agent making six figures or 200,000 or whatever, like that's awesome. I mean, you can definitely earn a bunch of money being a real estate agent, but you're kind of like having a lot of the same problems that you had when you were an employee, and sometimes yeah. maybe worse.
2: Yeah, you know, So because now uh, you have a downside because you can have inconsistencies in the income, which that's what drove us to doing this franchise model because we said, we're well, now we're not hiring just agents to be self-employed. We're opening up the opportunity for business owners. We want them to own multiple businesses, and that is really a buyer to people that are going – Wow, there's an opportunity—a door open for us to be able to go in and be business owners. I want to get out of production. And you're out of production, then you have a business that's making money. Then they could reinvest that money into either new offices, other businesses, investments, and just start playing all of those gambits of of opportunity.
1: So, what would you say, like, to the agent who's successful right now that you know knows that they should invest in real estate, but hasn't
2: yet? Oh, you know, you know, it's really challenging right now. I mean, because I even I'm looking at trying to get them, but everything's so high. I honestly think it's going to keep going higher, though, right? So, so that is why, really...
1: why, why do you think that? And I know this is just opinion. Sure. And, and we yeah. could all be wrong. We all know that. But
2: yeah, why right. do you, think you keep going higher? Well, well, right now, all the M1s and M2s say that there's more money in the bank than there's ever been in the bank, right? So that's one factor. The number two is um, there's less debt than there's ever been before. So now you have less debt, more money in the bank, the low interest rates, and then the low supply, right? So all of those factors together would say that it's a culmination of things that's going to drive up inflation. Inflation on top of low demand means that you're going to have a catapulted growth in what it is. And even when we look back, I told you I went through 2008, those houses are still not back to 2001 prices, right? They, They never went back rent was 500 bucks on a rental I have, now it's 1200 bucks. It never went back, right? So so those things are going on. If rent prices keep driving up because of the housing crisis with rentals, then that cash turns into the revenue that bases the price, right? So the interest rate and the price equal the rent amount in most cases of an equation of what you'd want as an investor as your ROI. So now you can get a good cap rate on the rent increase, then turn around and get low interest rate on something that's rising in prices. Right. So all of that's the reasons why we buy the real estate. It's just so hard. You can't even get in there and get them unless you've got the cash or you're, you know, finding a deal or or doing whatever you're doing because then you got to get creative, whether that's mailers or doing, you know, something else to find deals that just takes a mental bandwidth to go after it.
1: Yeah. I mean, it's definitely like wild right now, like with it, like it, I went through the last cycle, you know, we've got to be like right in the same age range. Like I started again in 05, 06. And, um, and um, it feels a lot different than that. Um, I've been, I, I've sold off some of my rentals, got into some so, bigger places. Now I'm like, oh man, should I have even sold any of those? Like I thought I was, selling, I thought I was selling at the peak. And, um, you know, I, I think with like the long-term buy and hold stuff, it's like, realistically like it almost never makes sense to sell if you've got that long kind of horizon, like if you don't need to like pull, and I pulled some cash for different reasons and that was like part of it too. But, um, but yeah, so um, it's tough to kind of say where the market's going to go, but you do know when you're all the money's being printed and low supply, like where in my marketing, I know every market's different. Uh, There's not a lot of land left to even do anything with. So there's no like, I guess, it's not like you can just you know put you know 50 you know ten thousand houses like to build but um cool so you've obviously got like a big team and you've you've done a lot of investing and stuff like that like what do you what do you say to your franchisees and and agents that are, are underneath you in general about like investing
2: you know there's a lot of different avenues to do it in most cases the majority won't do it. The majority they're just not gonna do it. Even if it made sense, you can convey it to them and convince it, they're just not willing to risk their chips, right? They're not willing to risk their hard earned what they've done. They actually feel the security and the money sitting in the bank and, and doing it. What what has to go on as a trigger is when every dollar in the bank is losing value every single day and you've got to plug it into something, and you've so you make this race to go get money. And then you've got to turn around and put it back out, and that's that's what you're talking about. That's the emotion we've gone through. We bought rentals. It tied. It went up in value, but it's only on paper because until I sell it, I didn't actually realize the income, right? And then we realize the income. We got to pay taxes on it. But then we're going to reallocate it to something else that's going to get me money. Well, their work and their effort should be to generate revenue that they're going to reallocate on purpose, a certain percentage, a certain amount every month or whatever. Whether that's put in the stock market or some other type of growth to then turn around and reinvest it once it's big enough to now reallocate it to the next thing um you know obviously we feel like real estate is a safe play right now um so so we suggest that and honestly I, I tell most of them it's usually the benchmark meaning if you're not going to invest in that you're really probably not going to invest in anything so I mean mm-hmm. if you're not going to do the safe play where you can leverage with low interest rates in the industry you're already in, it's going yeah. to be real hard for you going into stocks or any other type of things that are that are out there and Well,
1: you know, that's the part that that always shocks me, Ryan, is like you're in real estate. You get real estate. You get values. You get appreciation. You get depreciation. You get the low interest rates. And then I I do see a lot of people invest in the stock market and not do it. It's like you're, you know, I I think there's like like a a misunderstanding of like what you're doing when you're investing in the stock market. Sometimes you're literally investing in a company that you probably nothing about. You don't know who's running it. You don't know the product and who knows? I mean, you, it doesn't matter what company, you know, that's out there. I mean, you're not the one that's, 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 you know, running it, controlling it. Like you don't know that market. You don't know a lot about it. And you've got a bunch of your money there versus real estate. A lot of times it's in your backyard, you're in the industry, like, you know how to get deals. I mean, you had alluded to this earlier, like, it sounds like you, you used your license in order to get deals. I, that seemed like one of the motivations, like, in order to get your license is, is to be able to get some deals. And it sounded like you found some deals that way as well.
2: Yeah, a couple. I mean, or the agent's license that would do it, and you know, because essentially somebody knows somebody. But again, the markets change. There, there's so much going on. And you know, what's funny is you you say that we're in this industry and we know this industry, and we don't know the stock, and we don't know that the owner, or the CEO, you know, or whatever that is. We don't know those factors. And I hate to say this, but the majority of the people that did the 30-day class that got a real estate license don't know real estate. They still have not become a student of yep. the business. And if they did, the reason I was successful at the level I was as a real estate agent is because I knew all those books and stuff in bought properties before I even jumped in. So yeah, it gave yeah, yeah. me a head start, but it also gave me a thirst and a hunger for doing it. And it gave a confidence and a trust factor for the consumer that came in. So by learning it, you build that consumer trust because you are now the person that. I mean, I read those books not because they were going to buy a house from me three months from now. I read the book because yep, I yep. wanted to know, and and then when I knew, then they would do it. And then then what would happen is they say, well, why aren't you buying this house? I said, well, because capital. I I can only buy but so many. I bought them full, and these are new deals that are that are there. And then every now and then people would see what I was doing, and then they would want to get in because I was doing it right. And so I had to learn it then do it to attract other people that wanted to come in. And now, even to this day, people are going to make investments and stuff. They call me, they say, hey, I was thinking about looking at this, that, and the other, and I never answer for anybody because you, I don't know whether you should buy real estate, not buy real estate. I don't know what it's going to do. There's, there's so many caveats, right? Like they buy it and then turn around and there's a water leak or something like that. And now I'm the bad guy, right? So I, I don't ever tell anybody what they would do, but I would ask questions about this, that, and the other. What's the rental rates around there? What's going in there? What's your exit strategy if you're going to go out of that? So you start asking the different questions. What's the rate of return? Could you find a better rate of return? Is there other investments that are better ROIs? Do you you want the growth do you want the ROI what's your what's your goal here right so so all of those kind of questions they start asking and they filter through and what will happen is uh the big challenge I had when I was going into real estate was I'd find good deals and nobody would buy them because they wouldn't listen to me and 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 if I just had my own money I could have done even more at that point in time right but you're trying to get somebody who's worked hard to save up their money to go reinvest it so we as you know in this industry need to be buying our own product as as a setup, but it's also a learning curve. I've lost. I've lost. i bought homes, fixed them up, flipped them, did all the work, all the risk, and lost money. I mean, Mm -hmm. you've got to pay tuition at some point in time to learn what not to do. And if you do that, that money I lost on those deals, even with some with, with partners, I now can teach that to someone else that's buying and looking to invest. So, so you never lose your education. And that's the great part of, of all this, which you're not going to learn if you don't get in the arena.
1: Yeah. And there's like the book education, there's the real life education. And I stole a saying, I forget who I stole it from, but I say it all the time. Now, the more you learn, the more you earn. And um, you know, again, you alluded to the fact like so many books, so many courses and and all that good stuff. And like, um, you know, I've had a decent fair amount of success in real estate and I'm in two coaching programs right now. There's not a day that goes by, that I'm not listening to a podcast or reading a book or doing something educational because you can always improve and like, you know, look at what the best people are doing. Um, So, you know, again, um, you know, a lot of like principles you talked about today are stuff that like, it goes all across the board. Like, I don't care who's listening right now. I don't care if like you just got your license and like, you don't know anything and you want to get into investing or if you're a super successful agent, that's already investing like a lot of these principles that that Ryan talked about today it goes like for for everything, really. Um, so um anything um that like we didn't cover Ryan that you want to kind of hit on or any final kind of last piece of advice for for agents that are listening?
2: yeah, i got I got one piece and 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 this is gonna be kind of a a um, a, a not hype. A not hype at the end, thing that you made. Oh, uh,
1: don't don't tell me you're gonna tell people
2: to work hard. No, no, no. I'll, no, no. I'll, I'll cut you not. off right now. It's almost the ancillary thing. Is um, you're gonna have to risk your money. You're gonna have to take take time. You're gonna have to make investments that are gonna have some risk factor. And in order to get to the level of the life that you want, but mm-hmm. what the sobering part is, is once you get everything that you're going after. You're going to have a new decision to to make, right? You're either going to be in that conundrum of going after it, hungry for it, to try and get everything built up to what you want. But as soon as you get it, you now have to manage everything you've got. You always have to exercise these decisions one way or the other. You're going to be in the battle of not having, or you're going to be in the battle of, of managing what you have so Mm -hmm. it's just it's never ending i guess that's the best way if you think there's this pie in the sky you're going to get a certain amount of money in the bank you're going to have the security and the safety you're not and if you think that you're poor and you're going to stay in this poor level and not be able to ever get out of it you don't have to and so it and then one's not going to solve the other is really what i'm getting at so it's this journey you're going to go on to do what you're capable why you're here on this earth and what you can do um with the time here, that's the real challenge. That's the game of all this, what you could have given away or who you could have helped by taking a risk and make, because as soon as you make it, you're going to give it away. It's just the way that it works and you can't give away what you don't have. And so you're going to always be again in this conundrum of what it is. So you've got the ability to go make money and earn money and do it because you have that skill set to assess these things, take those risks and, and do those things, do it, do it the best of your ability and know that, You don't want to just fill up a bank account. The goal is going to be to go back and give it to help the next person, to help those other people. You have a purpose that will be far greater than whatever that is, and anyone that's not doing that is going to miss that purpose, and that would be the unfortunate part. So I know that wasn't like a a hype type thing, but hopefully that's a good concept for people to be able to take in that. You're never gonna have all of the things you want. There's not this safety thing. You're always yeah. gonna to have to risk it. You're gonna drive you nuts when it's not make money. It's not making money, and when you're not making money, uh, you know, because you're spending it and doing whatever, you're you're further away from that target. But there's not a happiness kind of in either. You have gotta just enjoy the journey all the way through.
1: Yeah, couldn't could, have said it better myself. Like there is, there is no end game. There is no like, okay, I'm gonna hit this marker, and then my life right. is gonna. It's like, you got to enjoy all parts of the process. And I think Gary V says that all the time, uh, that you've got to really love the process, fall in love with the process, because you're always in the process, no matter kind of where you're at. Um, So yeah, I mean, I want to thank you for coming on. Obviously, you shared a a bunch of uh, knowledge. And if people want to learn more about your franchise, or about your brokerage, or even about you, like, what's the best way for them to kind of reach out to you?
2: Uh, if they go to firstclassrealestate.com, there's a lot of different options. Agents can join on with all of our locations, locations map. They can fill out forms. That all of those I get most of them. There's an agent or a thing, and they go to other people. But I'm cc'd on it, so I can see those. Um, uh, you know, I'm on Facebook. I answer most of my Facebook messages. Surprisingly all of my communications are like silent so it means my phone doesn't ring or text or any of that but i respond to text pretty quick i answer phones i answer emails i answer facebook messages so uh, all that's all that's um, i'm accessible i mean i just i don't know maybe there's other people that don't become accessible but i just want to help as many people as i can but i won't waste time so meaning if they you know someone comes in and says hey we help me out yep sure I'll help, but then if you're not gonna take the steps out of that, they usually fall off. They feel guilty for for not doing it. Um, and then they'll come back and then we can you know work on it again. So anyway, um I'm accessible those ways.
1: All right, Ryan. I wanna thank you for coming on. And guys, we will be back next week again with another uh superstar on Agent Investor. Thank you guys for listening.
0: Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Agent Investor, and especially thank you for sharing the show with other agents and reviewing the show on iTunes. Every time you share the show, you are potentially changing someone's life. To get weekly video trainings and connect with other agent investors, join our free private Facebook group. Just go to joincameroncoaching.com and we'll add you to the group. We'd love to see you there. And stay tuned for the next episode of Agent Investor.